I was in a feedback loop of affirming that, of course, God was talking to me. Hello, the internet. You are listening to Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. This is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big things. Uh, I'm Luke T. Harrington, award-winning novelist, best-selling humorist, and currently trying to record this show on an iPad, uh, which is weird. Um, I bought into the hype about how iPad is a laptop now with... uh, this magic keyboard accessory and stuff. I don't know. I uh, let my wife talk me into buying a new computer, and then I decided I don't want a computer. I want an iPad, which it seems to work. It's kind of funky. GarageBand is very different, but I'm figuring it out. I've had to find a few workarounds um, for you know how I used to do things on my Mac versus this iPad, but I actually I like it. It uh you know, fits into your life uh, in ways a, a laptop might not. Um, it's like the Nintendo Switch of computers. So <laughs> I give you guys the impression on this show that I do nothing but play video games all day, which is really not true. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's February. Um, it is that time of year when... The birds start singing about love. I don't know. That that analogy got away from me. Uh, but we're going to do a couple episodes about romance. Um, for this one, I talked to uh, Patrick W. Randolph, a Lutheran seminarian out in Indiana, about how he creepy stalked a girl for like all of high school and most of college because he thought God had told him he was going to marry her. Um, so... Presumably, several of you just had PTSD flashbacks, and I'm sorry about that. Um, (laughs) But he learned his lesson. Um, It was a great conversation. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, flip you over to my talk with Patrick, and I will see you on the other side. Patrick, welcome to the show, man. Hey, it's great to be here. Patrick is a Lutheran seminarian out in Indiana, right? Yep, that's where I am. Indiana. You're a Hoosier, or at least yes. you're living among the Hoosiers. Where are, you, are you from Indiana originally? Or? I'm from Northwest Ohio, so it, okay. is all, it looks like home. And then every once in a while, I remember, oh, yes, I am in Diana. <laughs> So born and born and bred in the Rust Belt, then I'm sure you know I'm out in Wisconsin, so I'm not that far. We're all in the same Great Lakes region, except I'm in Madison, where everybody's super rich. So <laughs> I have no idea if that was offensive or not. Um, <laughs> Patrick, uh, Patrick was telling me online. Patrick made me feel extremely old when I invited him on the show. He told me I've been reading your stuff ever since I was in high school. Yeah, when you, now that you say it, I realize how, how long that is. Because it was yeah. like, I was like 15 or 16 when I saw a piece of yours on Cracked. 
And I saw yes. on the byline uh, other places your stuff was. And I just, for some reason, out of all the articles I'd read on Cracked about, you know, <laughs> butt jokes and bad Photoshop <laughs> and all that stuff, I, I click on yours. <laughs> and then, yeah, just kind of opened up. I, yeah, it's fun to, to be talking with you in real life now. Almost yeah. real life. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was a while ago that I last wrote for Cracked. I mean, they're not really the site they used to be anymore. They're kind of a shell of what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, they got got bought out and uh, they fired all the editorial staff. So <laughs> they're not, they're not really worth reading anymore. Uh, obviously they were when I did, but yeah, that was, gosh, it was around the time my first child was born that I decided I'm going to get serious about writing and started blogging regularly and writing for cracked and stuff. And that was seven years ago. She, she'll be eight in April. So gosh, um, you are in your mid twenties then, which Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think anybody should be allowed to be in their mid twenties. Like after I'm done being in my mid twenties, <laughs> the office is closed. Sorry, right? Can't increase right. your age anymore. I mean, I perfected the twenties when I was there. I don't. <laughs> I don't need other people in their twenties. Come on. But yeah, I mean, that's. I, I I joke that you made me feel old, but it you know it was very flattering to know that people actually started reading me and stuck with me. <laughs> I wondered because, that like, wow, I must, there must be so many people reading this blog. It's so cool. I really like it. And then uh, obviously that hasn't taken off. You haven't gotten any book deals directly from the blog. Have you? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I you know, I, I haven't blogged in a long time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for listeners who, who don't know, I, I used to have a blog that was called, it was called the Western branch of American Re- reform. Presvolut- it still exists. I looked yeah, it up after I messaged you. I was like, is it still there? <laughs> it's still out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a, the, the title is a, is a Simpsons reference for anyone who doesn't know. And I was raised Presbyterian, eventually converted to Lutheranism. So the, the name of this fictional denomination from the Simpsons seemed like a perfect name for a blog. I started blogging and when my career took off a little bit more, you know, I was writing enough for other sites that I felt like I didn't really have time to blog anymore. It, it wasn't, wasn't ever a conscious decision. It was just, you know, I'm blogging less and less. Um, and also nobody blogs anymore, right? Like it's not, yeah. it's cool. not the mid, it's not the, the two thousands anymore. So nobody blogs anymore. Yeah. Um, Podcasting then, is the new blogging. Anyway. Podcast, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that. In some ways, podcasting feels like the last corner of the internet that isn't completely toxic. I, I can't remember where I saw this headline. This was maybe this was maybe five or ten years ago, but um, th- there was a headline. I, I believe it was on Slate um, that was it was reporting on a, a recent psychological study that had been done. That was like new study finds that haters are in fact going to hate. <laughs> <laughs> and specifically, what the what the study had found was that um, people who have a long list, have, have many things they hate in life, are more likely to hate new things they are introduced to <laughs> than people who haven't. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And I'm, I'm married to a woman who hates nearly everything. So this has been my experience as well. <laughs> Transitioning to the women we love. Exactly. Exactly. Um, sometimes, well, I won't say that. I, I hope that I am not among the things she hates. And I, oh. I, I'm usually not. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are, of course, recording this in mid-January, so it's a little bit hard to get into the mood. Um, but I am, we're doing a, a Valentine's Day series. And by series, I mean like two episodes, because I only do two episodes of this a month. I wanted to have people on the show. Nice segue, by the way. 
I wanted to have people on the show who uh, changed their minds about romance, as it were. Now, in a couple of weeks, I have someone who um, thought she never wanted to get married after she got divorced, but is now married again. Uh, so I thought that would be an interesting conversation. Today, we're going to talk to uh, Patrick about... Uh, well, can you remind me what it was you said exactly? Because I don't want to screw this up. <laughs> I I thought I was going to marry someone else. I thought this because it appeared to me that God told me I should marry this girl. This was high school. <laughs> yeah. Um, and upon meeting another woman who I thought was my best friend in the world, I realized that I loved her. And because I love her, I should marry her. So well, this is just, just because I love her. I should marry her. <laughs> um, so and, a classic love triangle. Yeah. Except the other girl didn't really know I was still in love with her. Um, she kind of, <laughs> she kind of put me and a lot of other things behind her when I told her God told me <laughs> I'm supposed to marry you. Understandable. Of course. Like um, my own daughter, I would say, at, I mean, this kind of goes with how I changed my mind. Um, <laughs> I'm in a different place now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, you know, as someone who's um, been hanging out around Lutherans for a large chunk of his life, this whole God told me to marry you thing doesn't strike me as particularly Lutheran. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be very right. Uh, I grew up. I grew up in a situation that was um, not really Lutheran. My my parents weren't really committed to any type of like like what kind of a church should we go to. So we just went to the one down the street. It was part of it was part of a denomination called the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and so they're they're kind of broadly Lutheran, a little bit more politically and you know, theologically to the left, you might say. Um, sure. And but I was the guy who, had, even as a young kid, I just really loved the Bible and I really loved prayer and I really loved God, and I was kind of the weird, the one of those weird guys in youth group. Um, <laughs> so as I got older, I realized, you know what, I really want to learn the Bible. I really want to be committed to this. I really want to make God happy by listening to God really well and doing exactly what he wants. Hmm. Um, and so I kind of knew I was going to be the weird guy. I kind of accepted it. I wasn't listening to anybody really in particular, some voices on the internet, but I realized that's what I was going to commit to. And so I was kind of okay with being the weird guy. So, so you're right. Like nobody there was telling me to like, listen for a voice that was God or look for signs, you know, um, a crow flew overhead while I was thinking about <laughs> the Rolling Stones, which means the Rolling Stones aren't a good band. I shouldn't listen to them. <laughs> that, that's, that's the extent I was going because I wasn't allowing myself to be told otherwise. And of course, as a, as a teenager, we've all been in that spot. My, my, my rebellion, the problem was that it was very religious and theological. <laughs> and so it just put me in a very weird spot. Um, I mean, is this something your parents kind of, this, uh, is this a mode of thinking that your parents kind of actively discouraged then or? I don't think um, they had enough conversations with me to know <laughs> that's where I was. I think, I guess I'm just curious because you called it rebellion. Um, is that, is that, is that just you putting words together? Or does that, does that mean something? What, what, what were you rebelling against? I was rebelling against what I saw in this puritanical view of, well, my church isn't doing things right. I need hmm. to do it so, I need to do it so much better and show them how it's really done. Here's how you really be a Christian. And hmm. um, so I, I did, you know, I read the Bible a lot. Um, hmm. And now hmm. I'm looking back on that now that I've changed my mind and said, I'm glad I went through that phase where I just read a lot of the Bible because mm -hmm. now that I've kind of realigned, I can be thankful for all that just 
plain information I know. That's really interesting. The average person raised in the church kind of takes it for granted that whatever church they're raised in is the one doing it, quote unquote, right. Um, so can you talk about what kind of led you to this conclusion that the church you were in was doing it wrong? Um, I was impetuous, <laughs> I guess is the, is the short answer. Um, sure. My, my wife and I were actually, we were driving back from a vacation a couple weeks back and we were just talking about what type of, per, what type of people are we that we, we go, like we ended up together. And mm-hmm. that was something she said to me. She said, you just, you were, you just assumed you were right. And <laughs> even when you're wrong, that's still just kind of a cool person to be around. <laughs> and so I was, I was just like, oh, of course I'm doing it right. And they're doing it wrong because I'm 14 and my pastor is 50. And of course, cause I'm young, I must be right. I blame Hollywood and video <laughs> games and the internet. <laughs> I mean, don't we all, don't we all? What's with kids these days with their Hollywood and their video games and the internet? <laughs> All right, so why don't why don't we talk about um, why don't we talk about this girl then? Um, what where where did you meet her? Uh, what led you to mm-hmm. your conviction <laughs> that you were supposed to um, marry I'll, her or whatever? I'll, I'll paint the scene with okay, picture your like most nostalgic, bittersweet love song from your high school days, and that's Plan, right? And you're at a cross-country meet, and there's, there's um, crisp leaves flowing, flowing over the grass. Um, and a friend uh, from high school, she brought over a friend from another high school. And she said, Patrick, this is girl A. Um, and <laughs> so I'm like, hi, girl A. And she's like, hi. And we kind of said hi, and I don't know why we got introduced. Um, but we did, and I just kind of knew her and I knew who she was at that point. Hmm. And I think our personalities just clicked and we were both that type of, you know, um, we're intentional, intentionally, um, relational. So I would ask her how she's doing. She'd ask me how I'm doing. We get to know each other. What's your family situation? And so after, you know, Saturday after Saturday, freshman year of high school, that's when it says freshman year of high school. Hmm. Um, uh, we start exchanging letters. We know each other's addresses. We cross country season ends. So we meet up on another Saturday. Um, our parents drive us to a town in between our towns. So there's this kind of, you know, I know a girl from another school and we're in love. And she's so beautiful and she's so artsy. And, you know, she's older than me. She was two years older than me. And, but we just clicked. Mm-hmm. And um, it was around this time after like just emotionally the weight of it, I started just thinking I should really talk to God about whether I should marry this girl. <laughs> and and so I would, you know, like like a guy who just just thinks he's right. I just kind of look up and say, "Hey, God, bro, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> should I should I marry this girl?" Um, that's, I mean, that's me how a- that's how all the great prophets pray in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. Hey, God, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a lot of good examples. <laughs> Precedent. Um, it's my favorite part of the book of Kings is when, when Elijah says, Hey God, bro, send some fire from heaven. (laughs) (laughs) And and so I, I took a lot of things as signs because I think I was asking for very vague things. You know, I would say, God, if you want this to happen, please put a song on the radio next. That's really like helps me understand how much I love her. (laughs) <laughs> and of course it's classic rock radio I'm listening to. Every so song what else? About <laughs> Every song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because that was just the air I was I was breathing. 
And there were a bunch of normal people around me, like my siblings and my parents. Um, <laughs> and for some reason, I just was not able to listen or like get any sense of like, Patrick, you know what you're doing? It just, I think you're just, you're in a feed. I was in a feedback loop of affirming that, of course, God was talking to me. Um, I must be so sure. holy and I must be so smart and um, all this stuff. And, and of course, um, I don't want to doubt the fact that me and this girl had a lot of really good, true emotion and ready, like we were ready to commit as much as high schoolers you know, can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we liked each other and we really liked each other and we saw a life together again, as much as high schoolers can. One of my um, kind of stock questions that I come back to when I feel like it mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, the, this question, this question of, of logic versus versus emotion, um, which I've said before, I don't necessarily buy into the premise of this mm-hmm. question, but um, it can be interesting to um, kind of try to make people answer it, um, which I, I feel like a lot of people think, you know, my views are emotional. Everyone else's views are based in, or sorry, my views are logical. Everyone else's views are based in emotion. Um, but to what, to what extent would you attribute this to logic and to what extent would you attribute it to emotion? I mean, I when th- you're a teenager in love, everything's emotion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that side of it. Um, and I think the decision of who you're going to marry, um, looking back on it now, I don't think I, I would really tell people you should, you should pick who you're going to marry, not, not thinking about love. Yeah. Um, that's just not how humans work. That's not how marriage is supposed to be. Um, so <laughs> sure. I don't know about you, Luke. Um, but, uh, no, um, sorry, that was a low blow. <laughs> Some guy I don't know, um, but um, yeah, it, arranged it was, marriages all the way. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm curious about is um, to what extent does a teenager understand love? Like, to what extent did you think you did at the time, and have you revised that view as you've grown? I know when I was young, what I felt because I actually still have a lot of those letters um, hmm. that uh, we were sending back and forth. So I have what she was saying, and I kind of see how she's responding to what I'm saying. And I'm remembering it, hmm. and I remember one line specifically was, "I don't feel like I'm being swallowed up." Um, a lot of people feel like I'm just overcome with love. That's how they talked about it in movies, but I felt like I was more like uh, a a binary star, hmm. where like they both have such like big gravity towards each other, but they're not going to hit. They're just going to, they pull each other into orbit and they just kind of spin around each other, not one around the other, but <laughs> each pulling like equal weight and just going in a little circle. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, we were both the, the, like smart kids. She, she graduated like summa cum laude from college. She's a genius. And so we were, we were both kind of talking about that kind of stuff. Um, trying to hit that caliber of, sure. of deep thought about love. Um, so we thought it was, um, yeah, it, it was, it was emotional and it was, um, it was like we were people who could trust each other and we didn't, we didn't want to trust anybody else. Hmm. That's really it. Especially thinking about teenage rebellion. I think what it was, was I felt like I could trust her and I didn't want to trust anybody else. That's, I mean, that's always a good idea is to find only one teen, you know, one teenager who's the only one you trust and ignore everyone else. I, yeah. mm-hmm. I, 
that's the philosophy I've built my life around. And I would <laughs> absolutely recommend it to anyone. Um, <laughs> I want to, I want to get to the moment though, or may, maybe there wasn't a moment. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll tell me whether there was one. Was there a moment when you felt like God told you this is the one? Like, was that a, was, was there a moment or was it just, just a general? It, w- it was a series of dreams. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. This, this is why people talk about, I talk about the story all the time because um, it was a series of dreams. And so the, the first Basically, dream. Basically you are an Old Testament prophet. <laughs> like. Well, her, her sheaf of wheat bowed down to mine. So what else are they going to do? No, um, the, the, the dream went like this. You know, I'm, I'm building a fire and I can't get the fire going. Um, and, but I look up and I see. There's, there's a great city beyond the river and I'm looking towards this beautiful city and um, it almost kind of looks like Chicago. It's, you know, these, these tall, glassy blue buildings, but that's somewhere off, far off. I'm not there yet. Um, but where I am is I see this little fire and it's about to die out. And, I'm, and so I get down and I just put all the air in my lungs into this fire and it goes out for a second, but then it comes right back up and, and starts being big again. But I, my, my lungs are filled with smoke. So I just start coughing up, you know, blood and all this stuff. Uh, but I got the fire going. Mm-hmm. And so this I kind of interpreted like, you know, I'm not to where I'm supposed to be yet. I'm not to heaven or whatever else. But where I am right now, I have to do all I can. I have to do my best. I have to do the right thing. And that means just loving this girl, even if she's kind of like starting to be weirded out. Like, aren't, you seem to be more intense about this than you used to be. <laughs> um, so that was one dream. See, if I had had that dream, I would have taken it, taken it as a sign that I needed to take up smoking. <laughs> that would be my interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I need to quit smoking. I don't know. What are the other? <laughs> that was my problem. I wasn't smoking enough. There um, you go. There you go. And so, so the second one was, was a little bit more in, intense. And I think for a lot of years, I didn't really know how to emotionally deal with it. I had a dream, one of those barely awake dreams, where I could hear the the screams of a woman, and mm. she was in trouble, and she was being hurt, and I was just so frozen in fear that I couldn't do anything until the screams, you know, died away, and I, um, you, I just felt so a, a crazy amount of pain and empathy and shame that I couldn't do anything, mm. um, and. Because I thought this was a message from God, I felt like I needed to have some kind of reaction to it. So that that was part of the reason why it affected me for so many years mm-hmm. was at, when you think that, that that image is being given to you by God and he's like telling you to care and he's telling you that you should have all these emotions. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know what emotions to have. I didn't know what to do or how to help this woman that I thought obviously was girl A the most beautiful woman, the only woman I trusted and she's being hurt and she's going to be hurt and she will be hurt. And I need to do something. Hmm. I want and kind of want to ask, was she in like a bad home situation or something? Or was, was there, I mean, she, was she actually being hurt in the real world or was, was there? Um, she, I, th- I think what had happened is she had just sent me a letter. She didn't tell me this in person, um, but she, oh. she sent me a letter to say, you know, when I was young, um, I wasn't treated well. Um, mm. this very, this very bad thing happened to me and I haven't, I haven't told anybody except one other friend and she kind of, and a girl A's friend had pressured her into telling me, 
Um, and so she didn't really want to tell me, but she felt like she had to. And mm-hmm. it was at the bottom of a nice Christmas card and like the, the pain of all this stuff. Um, you know, I, I, after I heard those screams, I kind of went outside and I just, I started talking to, to God again and say, Hey, um, what am I supposed to do to, to help this girl that I, that I love so deeply? Mm. And I never really got an answer. Mm. I think I started trying to make my own and I thought it was to marry her. Mm. Having been a, a teenager myself, I understand the impulse to um, feel the need to save everyone around you and potentially to save girls by dating them. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's that's the solution. Yeah, well, clearly, clearly. Um, I mean, when you're when you're a teenage boy thinking with your hormones, I mean, what other option is there, mm-hmm. right? Um, obvi- obviously, um, psychological counseling isn't a real thing. And <laughs> yeah. So what happens next then? Um, so um, what happens next is I um, she she's kind of like I'm. I don't really want to. I don't want to do this. She's she kind of realized after she told me that. I think she she doesn't want to have to be that vulnerable hmm. at, especially at that age. And I really want, I, I felt like she needed to be like God had told her to be basically hmm. like hmm. I'm allowed to, to know and love you this much. And she was kind of saying, no, you're, you're not. Hmm. Um, and for a while I really, I really resented her for that. Hmm. Like you're, 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 you're hating God is what you're doing. Hmm. If you're telling me that I'm not allowed to feel like the feelings God wants me to, you're, 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 you're not like you're, you're disagreeing with God. Hmm. Um, and so when I told her about this, these dreams and this stuff, um, she just kind of didn't respond. How, how would you respond to that? Um, sure. especially as a young girl who already felt like you'd been taken advantage of at some point, suddenly, sure. suddenly there's this other like guy who wants to be in charge of your life. Hmm. Um, and so even though she, she had friends with my friends, um, it was, it was just kind of, we don't see each other much anymore. We stopped talking and I kind of sunk into a, well, what do I do now? Hmm. Um, what kind of person am I going to be? Um, yeah. do I actually ever love anybody else ever again? Or is this just, I wait for her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, what, what do you, what do you end up doing then? I mean, do you, is this mm-hmm. something you give up on quickly or do you turn into a creepy stalker? I mean, obviously, those are the only two possible. <laughs> those are the only two options. <laughs> I mean, I went through. I went through a couple different phases of. I was still. Tr- I, I didn't think God was wrong. I didn't think I was bad at listening to God. Obviously, God can't be wrong, and obviously, I can't be wrong. Obviously, um, you, you can't be wrong about what God's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um. <laughs> so, so I, I just kind of waited for something to happen. Um, I realized more and more. I was like, I really want to help people um, be good Christians. I, I definitely um, wanted people to listen to God like I was listening to God. Um, but I also realized I needed I needed to do something else besides where I was. I wanted to run away. Hmm. And so I kind of I kind of tried to a couple times, just like on my bike. I hadn't I hadn't gotten a driver's license yet. Um, but they were always <laughs> like, are you running away to like get Addy or something? Uh, are you like stalking her? And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm, I, I honestly just want to wait and see what happens. But what yeah. kept coming up in this... Um, waiting time was, I think I'm going to go to Chicago. She really loved Chicago. I really loved Chicago whenever I visited. And being from Northwest Ohio, it wasn't too far away. So your plan was to run away to Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you are exactly right. And that is a good tone to use. <laughs> that is a heck of a plan. Um, 
I just packed a backpack, like wore jeans and boots and a sweatshirt. And I said, this will be good. I'll just be homeless <laughs> in Chicago until the time comes when I'm going to be the prophet that takes over Chicago. I don't know what the plan was, but eventually that kind of wound down into, okay, maybe I'm not going to run away to Chicago, but I'll go to college in Chicago because that's actually where she ended up going. You ended up where? U of Chicago, Northwestern? Uh, a small Christian college called the Moody Bible Institute. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, that, and that was like right downtown Chicago. And For about, sure. and about, I didn't realize this, but about four blocks, you know, like maybe like five or six blocks uh, east of Moody is Loyola, which mm -hmm. is where she went. Well, there you go. I didn't plan that. It was just kind of like, oh, this must be a sign. This must be the right place to be. So you were at Moody. She was at Loyola. Mm -hmm. um, what happens? <laughs> um, exactly nothing. What you'd imagine. Um, oh, so you, you didn't. You didn't I, climb up to her window. I, 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 I never went looking for her. I never like tried. I just assumed God would just make us run into each other <laughs> in a city of three million people on the sub. You know, just one day we just like, oh, hi, it's good to see you again. How have you been? Oh. Because God is the big Nora Ephron in the sky, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> like this, obviously. Is, this is all just a rom-com that God is directing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like you'd imagine, uh, because I didn't really go looking for her, we never we never really saw each other again. Like I like I, after a while, um, I I was waiting, but I didn't really know what I was waiting for. And so sometimes I would just go on a walk because um, Moody is in downtown Chicago. So I could just like take a walk and just hit, you know, uh, the uh, Millennium Park and the Bean and um, Willis Tower, which now it's really Sears Tower. Um, but we don't have to get into that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I, I just would enjoy the city just kind of like wondering, like, maybe today will be the day. Hmm. And I think somewhere in the back of my mind, I had it. I had this idea that. Um, three and a half years exactly after we met, you know, um, somewhere in the Bible, it's in Daniel, it's in uh, uh, revelation. <laughs> There's the phrase, you know, time, times, and half a time. So it's like one year, two years, and then half a year. And I just assumed, obviously that's what's going to happen. Obviously that's about my life personally. <laughs> yes. Clearly. Yeah. So I just, it, and then that time period was kind of creeping up. Um, now do you mind if we transition into girl B, my wife? Yeah, let's transition into girl B. Go ahead. Um, so, so as soon as I started at Moody, um, I realized I was in a kind of a special place. There's a lot of people who really take the Bible seriously, who knew a lot more than me. And I thought I knew quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but because also we were all just kind of, you know, freshmen just came out of high school. A lot of them coming from homeschools or missionary kids, um, sure. they're, they had really different Christian experiences for me. So when I told them, you know, God talked to me God told me to marry this girl, they're like, oh, uh, maybe, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. And so we just, we kind of kept talking and after a while I just kind of realized like, this is really weird. I'm, mm. I really trust my, my teachers and my, my classmates and these friends I'm making and they're, they're evangelicals. And so <laughs> they should be better at being Christians and Lutherans <laughs> because that's, those are the people I was kind of admiring from afar. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, it is funny looking back on it. Um, yeah. but I, I, I trusted them and they just kind of really forced me to think like, is this really how God talks to people? Hmm. Is this really what's going on? Um, and so I was, I was wrestling because hmm. I had, ha I had, I felt this weight on me from God to have all these emotions. And 
I don't know how many times over those years after, you know, I was in, I was in ninth grade when we, when we broke up. Hmm. And so I was now a freshman at, at Moody. Four years had passed almost. Hmm. Hmm. And I was still like feeling that weight. And like once or twice a year, I would just start thinking about it too much. And I would just start crying because I, hmm. I just, I still felt all this emotion. Hmm. And so when that was starting to be questioned, I was very defensive. Hmm. I did not, I did not want this tough question because it was, it was internally logical because I was at the center of it. Hmm. Um, there, there, and there's no way I could question me, uh, <laughs> uh, carbon copy urinated cart, um, and that type of stuff. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's where I was. Um, interesting. Oh yeah. And then girl B, this is, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and during that time we were put into these little cohorts and classes. So I had just had people, I was prearranged to have classes with, and mm. one of them was girl B and it was not love at first sight. Um, she was just a friendly face and a nice person. And a couple of times I honestly almost set her up with one of my friends um, hmm. because I was like, I'm going to marry somebody else, but I should like help her because she's really cool. <laughs> and we just, I, I was a social butterfly. So I just started organizing things with friends, you know, let's go bowling. Let's go get food. I found an Italian grocery store. Let's go buy, you know, pasta um, <laughs> and all these things. And the group just kept getting whittled down and whittled down. Um, until it was just she and I going out all the time hmm. and we'd go to parks and we'd go to restaurants and we just go for a walk or we just meet up and do homework together. Was this kind of the point where like everybody but you knew what was going on? Exactly. <laughs> like, we need to give them their privacy. They're clearly, they've clearly got a thing going. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I was very upfront and I said, well, God wants me to marry somebody else. So. <laughs> And, and she kind of heard, heard that story. And I think she was kind of hoping I was questioning it um, because she, she, she liked me. I didn't mm. know it yet, but she liked me. Um, so mm. her side of the story is one of complete pain. And <laughs> like, why doesn't he notice that I like him? I keep wanting to hang out with him, just he and I. Why isn't he getting this? <laughs> and so, so one time we were just hanging out and I was like, um, hey, so uh, people have been asking if, if we're dating or if we're going to date. She looks up at me, is it okay if I say, no, we're not dating. We're not going to date. Is that okay? And she winces invisibly. Um, <laughs> I don't notice, but she, then she says, yeah, that's okay. Oh, man. That's fine. Um, Come on. <laughs> I, I'm the bad guy in the story. I am the bad guy in the story. I mean, it's interesting, though, that you asked her permission to tell people you, you weren't dating. <laughs> like, I, like, yeah. like, I feel like if I wasn't dating someone, I would know that I wasn't dating her. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never noticed that before. <laughs> I think, but like asking someone's permission to tell them that you are dating that I get right. Yeah. Like, if you've been hanging out with this girl and you're like, can I tell people we're dating? Like, yeah, I mean, that's a, that, that makes sense. Like you don't want to tell people that you're dating if she doesn't think you are, but like, why would you need permission to tell people you aren't dating? <laughs> I, w I think I, I loved her a lot, even at that moment. Hmm. Um, I just had a lot of affection for her in a sure. really sisterly way. And I'm, I'm not saying that as like a cop out, you know, like I love you as a sister in Christ, but in yeah. a really, in a really deep love, um, I just, I, I, I loved her, um, hmm. but I didn't know that yet. So more months <laughs> go past and obviously, everyone around us 
is giving us space. And not only that, but when they actually know me and they've heard my story, they tell me, Patrick, you're leading this girl on. If you're not, mm-hmm. if you don't want to marry her, why are you hanging out with her? I'm like, well, we're just friends. And she says, mm-hmm. yeah, we're just friends. <laughs> and then like, you can tell she's like holding back tears and Aww. she's like trying to laugh about it and be on the same page as me. Um, mm-hmm. um, and that stopped working hmm. is, is what really uh, happened. Um, hmm. I just kind of got wore out with, try, keep, I kept putting up the friend zone and that type of thing until we were going out with friends. And as we were walking back in, um, her friends were like, hey, thanks for the double date. And we kind of <laughs> looked and realized, oh, they're a couple. And we went, you and me, me and girl, me and girl B. And so why, are we a couple? No, we're not. We're not. We've talked about this. We're not. <laughs> Um, and so that night we're, we're studying together. It's like 10, 30, 11, staying up way too late as people of the opposite sex in a public place. <laughs> um, and so I'm about to go to bed and I just say, okay, I don't want to, I, I don't want to date you. I like you, but I, I don't want to date you. Okay. And I just walked away without letting her respond. Hmm. And I get it to the, I get to the elevator and I'm like, no, I should go back. I should, I should ask her. So I say, do you have anything you want to say? Like, I'm sorry. I walked away. And she looks up at me and you can, I can, I, I can remember how much it hurt me to see her feel like that because she was about to cry because she thought I was gone. Hmm. And so I just said, is there anything you want to say? And she, she choked out. No, <laughs> I said, okay. Uh, and I went upstairs, but hmm. we, there was something wrong. We had spent so much time together. We had gone on so many outings. We'd had dinner together. We'd hung out. We'd done homework together. We knew each other. We liked each other. We knew it. But there was this wall that I kept putting up because Hmm. I felt like I wasn't allowed to like her. Hmm. Um, And so the turning point (laughs) happens when uh, I text her. I say, hey, we really should talk more. How does tomorrow sound? And she says, no, but maybe Sunday afternoon after church. I said, okay. Saturday, I realized I need to figure out what I'm going to say to her Hmm. um, and what I really think. So I'm, I'm, I'm bent over in prayer alone in my dorm room and I'm, I'm trying to figure, I'm waiting for God to tell me something. Um, cause I've been saying, no, I'm waiting. You told me to wait. I obviously should wait. This is what I'm supposed to do. But in the middle of that, as I'm pouring my heart out to God on how I'm feeling, something like a knot comes undone in me, you know, like hmm. one of those knots where you just tug it once and this big block of rope just turns straight. You thought it was complicated and it really wasn't. Hmm. And it just kind of came out. It's like, I love her. I do. I hadn't said that yet. Hmm. I really, I really love her. And it was like, another way of thinking about it that really made sense to me was I could see like the silhouette of, of this love, like song of Solomon, Ephesians five, these great marriage and love chapters in the Bible (laughs) <laughs> where they're like, this love is like how God loves us. So when a husband loves a wife, it's like how God loves us. And that's how his love should look. <laughs> and I, I saw that silhouette and I said, that's so beautiful. And then it's like, I got like, like uh, elbowed in the kidneys and just be like, that's you. That's how you feel. Hmm. And it was, it was a gift. I, it wasn't something I was trying to make for myself. I wasn't trying to love her. I wasn't trying to be the, the best guy. I wasn't trying to be a good husband for her or a good boyfriend or anything like that. It just kind of happened to me. Hmm. It was, it was bred in me over time. Um, whereas I thought the other love was a burden God put on me to carry. 
this love was something that he kind of grew in me like a seed. Hmm. And it was at this point now, after we'd known each other for six or seven months now, and I I loved her for a couple and I, I was trying to deny it, that the, hmm. this love was too big. I couldn't deny it anymore. Hmm. That's really beautiful. Yeah. So then you go back to girl A's dorm and climb up the wall and pound on her window and say, it's over. <laughs> uh, we're getting there. Uh, <laughs> Wait, is that actually where the story's going? Because that is awesome if it is. <laughs> well, so I, the first thing I need to do is actually need to tell girl B because we, we set a deadline. We need to talk Sunday afternoon. So Saturday, I finally figure it out. Um, so, so Sunday afternoon, um, she, she come, we meet together in this one spot on campus where we can have some privacy, but not too much. You know, it's Christian college. Um, <laughs> And we're, we're sitting there and she has this little notebook with her. And I love this part of the story. Um, so this is extraneous detail, but you get some sense of the character of the conversation. Sure. Uh, she opens it up and she closes it and <laughs> she won't make eye contact with me. And so she says, Patrick, I say, yeah, cause I know I love her and I want to tell her so bad, <laughs> but she just won't make eye contact with me. And she says, Patrick, please never wear tank tops. <laughs> and I, I questioned her. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, you just wouldn't look good in tank tops. Like, okay. Um, next thing. <laughs> You're not allowed to start these conversations anymore. I'm sorry about what, what I've done and what I've said. And she's kind of ready for that. She's ready to accept my apology. And, but I, I kind of turn the other way. I, um, and I say, I love you. I really do love you. And I hope you'll forgive me enough to let me be your boyfriend. But in, in that word boyfriend, it came out of my mouth like I was saying, just let me be the man who loves you. Let me be the man who gets to be your husband, who's with you for the rest of your life, because that's really what I want. I don't know if we're there yet, but that's what, I, that's what I'm hoping for. That's what I meant by boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And she, she locked eyes with me and she started crying and I started crying and we just hugged because mm-hmm. this deep friendship that we'd had um, was finally growing into something that we were, we didn't know if we would get to be. Hmm. So is that, is that, is that where things end then? You never, never talked to girl a ever again. And, uh, so this, uh, so postscript, right. Uh, <laughs> epilogue, um, epilogue. what really happens now is after I realize this, um, God has grown a love in me that I can't ignore. Um, and I decided, I decided of my own free will, um, I, I want to marry her. This is a love that um, would be is is worth a marriage. If it keeps growing like this, I want to marry her. Mm-hmm. But I needed to suddenly deal with this huge change of life plan and how I viewed God and how I viewed His communication with me. For sure. Um, <laughs> um, and so, so I immediately just I, I needed to deal with it. So I just kept praying, um, and I was waited for some more communication, but nothing was really coming. It was like. Um, this wall is just broken through. So I could, I could no longer depend on God communicating to me like that. Hmm. I, need, I needed to work something else. So I started talking to my pastors. I started looking at stuff online. Um, and something occurred to me that at the time felt like a sign. But looking back, it was, it was more of a happy coincidence. Hmm. Um, this love that I had for girl A was really based on a religion of, of works and 
self-made piety and just like trying to be the most religious and most spiritual person I could be by my own strength, Hmm. which was fitting because her name, I won't say it, but it means son of Adam. Hmm. You look at the etymology of her name. um, It means she is a child of Adam, Hmm. which, which in Christianity, that means you're someone who is just by nature human. Hmm. And you, you're kind of curved in on yourself, just like Adam was curved in on himself by sin. Hmm. But Girl B, the one who is now my wife, her name is Grace. Hmm. Um, it's a gift. It's something that I couldn't have gotten by my own works, by my own um, being curved in on myself. I needed to be curved out. I needed to see um, a gift from God for what it is as a gift, as grace. Um, and so I, I, I wrote a, a letter to Girl A. And just said, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry if I turned you away from Christianity. I'm sorry if I said things that weren't true that made you feel like you needed to not be able to trust me. I'm sorry that I put you in that situation. A lot mm-hmm. of apologies. Mm-hmm. But the, the main part of that letter was me saying, this is, a, this is a death certificate of the relationship that I thought was going to be the rest of my life. You mm-hmm. already accepted it as such, but I didn't. And so I'm just kind of making it official for myself and for you that I, I don't want to, I don't want it to be the reason that one, you're not a Christian, um, because she, she wasn't anymore at that time. And B, I don't want you to see me as some crazy guy. I want you to see a guy who's, who's healed, um, who, whose love for you was real, but I, I took it in the wrong direction. Um, I tried to make it something it wasn't because I thought God was someone who, I don't think he really was. Hmm. So that, that's kind of the, the end of that. But there's been, there's been a lot of growing because of that event too. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Um, aside from new, I, the question I have is where did new beliefs? It's not real. Well, it's sort of beliefs. Well, aside from um, where you ended up, what, what would you say you learned from the experience? The big one was, it was, that was kind of the, the first crack in a, a new religious worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was what could be called maybe a charismatic um, evangelical. Sure. I was just kind of on my own. I thought I could talk to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but a theological hallmark of, of being Lutheran, which is what I am now, and what, what kind of sold me on it, was this idea that God does not want us to know him he doesn't want us to know his will outside of Christ. Hmm. He wants us to know him the way Christ reveals us to him, uh, reveals him to us. Hmm. Um, which that way is through the word, this clear word of scripture and the sacraments where mm-hmm. Jesus says, this is water that takes away your sins. This is my body and blood, which is, which was, uh, uh, which is for the forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's how he wants us to know him. Hmm. And what, what was ruining my life and poisoning a lot of relationships and really poisoning my soul was the way, the way it seems to me. So I'll grant that. Um, the way it's seeming to me was that I wasn't willing to relate to God on his own terms. I wanted him to relate to me on my terms in my own special language. But mm. being Lutheran, this theological change that's happened to me is seeing God only in Christ and only looking for him in Christ. He's everywhere but he only wants me to understand him in Christ. That's the only place I'm going to have understanding. 
I have three questions. Uh, I try to ask all my guests to close out the show. Um, it's the long-term, uh, long-term goal is, you know, kind of poke at these questions of ontology, epistemology. How do we know truth? How do we know ourselves? First of all, Patrick, what is identity? Does everyone have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? I think your identity is something that everybody has because I, an identity is who God sees you as. Hmm. When, when the God who created you and who knows everything in the world and he knows all the reasons you're like other people, he knows like, oh, you're exactly like your dad. You're exactly like your great, great, great grandfather like this. Or, you know, you're exactly like everybody in your generation because you watch the same media. You all watch The Office. You all think you're quirky. Um, uh, so so he, he knows that, but he sees something different about you. And he, know, he knows your, your downfalls and everything like that. But he also knows what he, what he hopes for you. And that is to see you redeemed um, in Jesus to get explicitly religious again. That's kind of yeah. my job as a seminarian. So <laughs> apologies to listeners who are like, this is kind of weird that he's going down this angle. Um, this is my answer. So deal with it. Yeah. I don't think of this as a strictly Christian show, but I, I, I do seem to be like a magnet for pastors and priests and seminarians. So I <laughs> end up talking about a lot of religion on this show, um, which I'm okay with, you know, like I, I dabble in a lot of things, but I, I don't try to to hide the fact that I'm a Christian. Um, so, uh, second, what is human nature? Are we all the same deep down? Are we all different deep down? Are we all blank slates? What do you think? This is one I still don't really know how to answer. Hmm. Uh, you, you emailed it to me to just like, hey, be prepared to talk about this, and I don't know if I am. Uh, <laughs> I, kn- I know it's it's specific. I don't know if anyone could feel the amount of shame that humans do. I don't know if any like other animal or creature does. I don't know if stars feel feel shame. I don't know if, you know, <laughs> plants feel shame. Maybe dolphins do. They're pretty smart. Um I mean if I was a dolphin, I would feel shame all the time. <laughs> I'm naked in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Uh, um uh but I think I think there's something deeply human about what we hope for. Hmm. which is for our life to have our life to have meaning. And we recognize that, you know, I, I'm a creature who, who needs to mean something. I need a job that does something, even if it's just making something that's beautiful that lasts for only a moment. I think, I think if our identity is something God knows us as, I think our human nature is we are someone with an identity. Hmm. That's what human nature is. All right. Well, extra points for connecting it to the previous question. That's what I do. Uh, (laughs) Let's see if you uh, go for the trifecta. Um, Finally, what is truth? How do you know truth and how do you know when you found truth? What do you think? That is a really good question because that's the source of my whole transformation is I thought I knew truth and I I don't think I did. Mm -hmm. Um, I think... Hmm. Awkward pause here. <laughs> I think truth is this, is that long arc of the universe toward things coming to light. Hmm. 
And that growth that God has planned, where he, he reveals truth to you and he, he grows um, something good in you by grace um, so that you can finally be what you're supposed to be. <clears throat> I think that long arc is truth. And I don't, I, I see in a mirror dimly now, mm. but it's going to, it's going to come out because that's what we're made for. We're made for people who we're people who want to be known and want to do something that's meaningful. And there's a God who, who is, who is given meaning. So the long arc of that universe towards truth and, um, towards a just outcome. So you're with MLK on that, then the arc of history is long, but it bends toward justice. I think he was a smart guy there. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> it's hard to publicly, it's hard to publicly disagree with him, um, <laughs> but he's also right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a delight talking to you. Before we go, will you please tell everyone how great my book is and how they all need to buy it? Uh, it is like uh, <laughs> rivers of honey in a barren land. <laughs> I don't even know if you. I don't even know if you read the book. We talked. We talked about the book before we um, started recording, but I didn't ask you if you'd read it. So I, I, ha- I, I haven't read it, um, but I, I've, I've always been like, you know what? That's probably a really good book. I'm glad he got to write it. <laughs> um, it, it, it sounds like a very specific book and that's why, that's what makes me intrigued about it. <laughs> and I, I mean that in a kind way. I don't mean like, Oh, you know, it's, it's specific. Like that's the least I can say. Um, but I think that I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I'm very grateful that I got to write it and publish it because I, it, it doesn't feel like a book that's a particularly good fit for the secular market or the Christian market. Um, so I feel very lucky that anyone at all wanted to publish it. <laughs> so uh, that's honestly how I felt reading everything that you ever wrote. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if my Christian friends would like this. Like I showed, um, what was it? There was, there's an article on Christ and pop culture where you're like the 12 different ways you can interpret this handsome teenager from target. Oh yes, <laughs> and I was like, "Here's the Thomistic understanding. Here's the like post. Uh, here's the phenomenology understanding." And it's like this is so outside the realm of anything I've read before, but it's funny. I laugh. <laughs> Showed it to my sister, and she's like, "I don't know what's going on here." But I am difficult to market. Um, but yeah, buy my book, everyone. Um, <laughs> and I, I love this podcast too. Like when I when I saw that you were doing it, I was like, "Changed my mind." That's that's courageous to host a podcast like that. I, I think maybe part of the reason you attract some Christians is because Christians were kind of told that being a, vir- a virtue is being honest with your mistakes. But I think it's something a lot of people in society can learn, whatever whatever religion or whatever uh, stripe they are. That's not something Christians have a monopoly on. It's something mm-hmm. we see, it, like, it, it's just virtuous to be able to own up to your mistakes or just be honest with, here's where I am now. I don't know if it was a mistake where I was earlier. This is where I am now. Yeah. I think it's a great idea for a podcast. I'm glad I could be on here. And I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was a really excellent story. For real though, before we go, do you want to plug your own podcast or anything else? I do a tiny little podcast called Our Open Book. It's on Podbean, Google, and uh, um, uh, Apple Podcasts. It's really just me uh, meditating on scripture slowly, um, see what it really says, because it's easy to politicize. It's re- It's easy to misunderstand it, but it's words and we can understand words, especially when we read them together. 
So it's our open book. You can also find me on Twitter where I have like 112 followers. <laughs> That's 112 more than when you started. So there you go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this has been Change My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or go to my website, LukeTHarrington.com. I remember once at the um, church I attended in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, during you know the the adult Sunday school hour or whatever you want to call it, you know the adult catechism class. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the the thing in between church services when they try to teach adults something. Um, yeah, someone asked my my uh, pastor at the time. You know, why is why is why is the Virgin Mary traditionally held in such high esteem among Christians? You know, um, and obviously the answer is because she literally carried God inside her, um, which is a pretty big deal. Um, but I I appreciated what he said, which was you know, there's an American tendency to think that we're just as good as everybody else. Like each one of us is just as good as everybody else. Um, yeah, I think he, he, his immediate example was American Idol. He was like, you know, we watch American Idol because we want to imagine that that could be us up on stage. Um, and of course, <laughs> I immediately pointed out to him that I did audition for American Idol once um, and got rejected. <laughs> so I know that that could not be me up on stage. Um, although, you know, who knows if I had auditioned on a different day, I could have made it, I guess. <laughs> but the point is, the point is the same that um, we all want to think of ourselves as the center of the story, at least in the American imagination. Um, and that, you know, I, th I think it's fair to say that that is less true in certain other cultures throughout time and space. Um, but the point, of course, is that you are probably not the center of the story. Um, you are not the Virgin Mary. <laughs> you know, you are not... Uh, the prophet in the Old Testament who God speaks to directly. Um, and I don't think that trying to divine marching orders is really a uh, traditionally Christian way to engage with God. Um, God is the most common metaphor for God in Scripture is father, right? Um, and I don't, I'm a father, you know, <laughs> I don't want my daughters coming to me for exact instructions every single time they have to make a decision. You know, I don't think any normal parent does. Um, what you want is to raise your children into adults who can make intelligent decisions on their own. Um, and of course you want a loving relationship with them. Um, and those are of course very different things from, 
you know, dictating their entire lives to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're waiting around, uh, listening for God to tell you exactly what to do, um, I mean, the answer is he already has, you know, love God, love your neighbor, right? Do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Um, there's probably nothing special about you. There's probably nothing special about the time you live in. Um, and some people might find that frustrating, but it's actually very freeing. You know, uh, you are free to live your life in a way that is honoring to God and helpful to the people around you. Um, so go do that stuff. Um, <laughs> all right, that's it for this week. Um, if you like the show, if you like what I'm doing, uh, please take a second to go on Apple Podcasts, give me a rating and or a review, uh, preferably five stars. I will accept four stars because I'm a generous soul. Um, but yeah, the standard spiel, uh, every rating helps me get discovered. Uh, so yeah, if you want to support me financially, uh, I am living off donations, at least as far as this show goes. Um, you can go to Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com slash change my mind. And you can toss a coin to your podcaster. Oh, Valley of Plenty. Oh, Valley of Plenty. Um, you can give me any amount of money in increments of $3. Why? Because we like you. Um, if you don't want to give me money for nothing, um, you can uh, buy my book, which I've been told is a very funny book. It's called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed, out now from HarperCollins Christian Publishing, uh, written for a Christian publisher, but written with a uh, general audience in mind. So if you're a Christian, you'll probably like it. If you're not a Christian, you might like it. Um, anyone who wants to learn more about the Bible um, is my target audience here. So yeah, uh, check it out. You can find it on all your basic bookselling websites and also bookstores if you're one of those fools going out in the middle of a pandemic to buy something as instantly available to you as books. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks to Patrick for coming on the show. Uh, it was a great interview. Really enjoyed the story, man. Uh, I'd also like to thank Jonathan Clausen for editing the show. Um, he is a good guy. Check him out for all your podcasting needs. Uh, I would like to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Check them out at ravencreeksc.com. They have two other shows you might be interested in. And finally, I want to thank you for listening to Change My Mind. I'm Luke T. Harrington, and please don't be afraid to change your mind.